Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you tired of reading books, attending leadership or communication classes, only to wonder what's missing? What am I not getting? Well, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and guess what? I am a storyteller. It is through the stories of others that we learn how to do better. Listen in on my conversations with my guests who, like you, are on a journey to become better leaders. Leading well is not a destination, it's a journey. One where doing well means learning from each other if you are to identify and then close the gaps between where you are now and where you wanna be tomorrow. Prior to a year in quarantine, it was unthinkable for many to believe we could work without going into an office. To get work done without physically being together was unthinkable, and yet that's exactly what happened in 2020. I remember in 2018 working with an executive who was frustrated because her teams and direct reports lived in different states. Through a series of mergers and acquisitions, she found herself leading a group of people scattered all over America and in two countries. She struggled to figure out how to lead when they weren't all in the same place. Now, after a year in quarantine due to COVID-19, everyone is learning what it takes to be in her shoes. For over 15 years, I've been a virtual coach, teaching leaders the art of leading without ever meeting them. In fact, 90% of my clients I've never met. What I've learned is successfully leading others means tending to our need, each and every one of us, to be seen, to be heard, and to feel relevant. From personal experience, I can tell you the way to success is to learn the skill of deep listening. I think that this podcast is going to be a game changer for those people who are ready to hear and ready to learn and ready to rest in knowing that the right answers always show up when you need them. My guest today is Cindy Krupp. And I have to tell you that this is an amazing relationship that we have developed. First of all, as we sit here in the middle of being quarantined or maybe the end of being quarantined or the new normal of quarantine, I want you to know that I've met this woman one time in 10 years. Our entire relationship has existed of one or two one hour phone calls every week for the last 10 years. Every week, rain or shine, holiday or no, it didn't matter. And what we talked about with a couple other friends was really about how do we bring our true self forward? How do we allow the universe, God, whatever your spiritual practice is or not spiritual practice, but this idea of becoming a better person, of becoming remarkable, of becoming a leader for yourself and an influencer for those around you and one who helps others plot out what is the most magnificent life that one can have. Cindy, how are you doing today? <laughs> I love that word, remarkable. I think it's in the name of a book I have somewhere. 
somewhere, something about remarkable leadership. Hmm. I'm just so happy. Usually we're talking and I don't, I know people can't see that I could see you, but man, your smile is bright. And this is, I'm so in the moment, Denise, that when you asked if I do it, I took a breath. I said, yes, I didn't even know the name of the podcast. I'm so in love with this idea of closing the gap. Yeah. It's part of actually what I do in my head when I talk to people these days. I ask the spirit, the Holy Spirit to, in a Course in Miracles terms, mm-hmm. to actually eliminate the little gap that stands between me and whoever I'm in. So this idea that the podcast is called Close the Gap, it just tickles me from the inside out. It um it was, you know, one of those things after a, a number of phone calls, coaching, whatever, where it, what I wanted people to understand is it's getting to where you want to be requires small steps. You know, in the book, it talks about small steps consistently done over time, achieves amazing, resu- re- amazing results. And as you and I have phone called each other, Something, no, you know, we don't text, which is really interesting. We don't text at all. <laughs> we actually call each other. We actually have a conversation with each other. How crazy is that? I know, I know. For 10 years um, of calls. And, but we are always there for that one hour, the four of us. We're always there for that one hour to talk about how to make our values and our faith and our beliefs how do we make that manifest in this dimension in this world it's it really is you know there's there's that uh old joke or saying that talks about you know the day you're born the day you die those may be fixed in the universe it's really that little dash in the middle that you're working on every day you know, and the calls were really about how do we work on that dash in the middle? How do we make that an amazing thing? Yeah. So there are two things that seem really opposite that are coming up in my head, mm-hmm. but I'd love to share them both. Please. The first, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking all these classes and, and in the Sufi class, <laughs> There was, a, there was a saying that I fell in love with and I keep, you know, I'm listening to you. And pretty much there was a man galloping all around the village, just galloping. The horse was going nuts. And a friend screamed up to him and he said, where are you going? And he said, I don't know, ask the horse. Mm. And so I'm listening to you and, and I'm thinking about not only the last 10 years that I've known you, but the last really um, 20 some odd years that I knew my life needed to change. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I, was, uh, I was a professional, I was a project manager, you know, and I had severe panic disorder and man, I never had a boss that knew what he was doing. <laughs> you know? Who knew? <laughs> Everything was wrong in my life those days, you know? The thing was that until recently, until I set a 
like we're talking about little goals, one step at a time. And that's the second thing I want to talk about. But what is, what's our ultimate goal? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, why are we in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to me, that's like, we need to know the, the end point, the, you know, what are people going to say about me when I die point, maybe, but not even that for me, you know, my end point and within my spirituality is basically to live in truth, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not to have a million dollars in the bank. It's not even to have enough money to pay the rent. That sort of just happens when I live my truth. So every day I begin the day by remembering, hey, you know, my goal is a conscious direct experience of the truth. My goal is to live what, to live knowing that God's desire for me is to be happy, you know? Um, So I start there, start at the end point. The end point really isn't, you know, the degrees next to your name. It's not having the perfect relationships. It's not having the perfect health. The end goal is how you feel, right? right? The thing we run away from the most is our feelings. We, we have to have them in a box because we're not supposed to bring our feelings to work. We're not supposed to really, you know, we can only share our feelings with a few people because that's dangerous. And the one person we don't share our feelings with is ourselves. And that's key. And this, when I make that statement, it's not about how I'm relating to the people at work every day. That's a whole nother conversation. It really is understanding that. And again, the way it comes to me in my own spirituality, I start with the end point. I start knowing that the universe, God, spirit, my divinity, when I am in alignment, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. There's an expansion. There's, there's joy. There, there is patience. And I find that I'm more kind. I find that I'm more capable of listening. I find that I don't need to be defensive mm-hmm. from that space, right? Mm-hmm. It's my own relationship with my divinity, my higher self, my power. That's that's the way I begin every day now, knowing that when I'm in alignment, I'm happy, I'm okay. Mm. So is that where you are today? I'm taking a Buddha course. I got to answer it this way, okay? I just found out in the last couple of weeks the difference between joy and happiness. Ooh. Right? You ready for this definition? Absolutely. And this is the only way I can answer you. So joy, joy is seeing the water in the glass. Mm -hmm. Joy is watching your favorite meal being prepared. Joy is looking at the sky or knowing you're about to take a walk or thinking about your best friend. Happiness is drinking the water. Mm -hmm. So joy is what I am. Mm-hmm. Joy is the back joy is the backdrop. It's the foundation. Mm-hmm. Happiness is the momentary experience. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I have experiences that you'd label happy. Mm-hmm. I have experiences where I where I'm experiencing sadness. 
or grief or disconnection. And I watch the experiences. They're like waves coming and going. But underneath it all, there's this kind of backdrop of joy. Yes. That's what I've watched you for 10 years experiment with to find and hold on to and throughout so many of of what is really, if you ask a hundred people, everybody experiences the same thing. And they create a story around it that's very different than yours. And today you're at this spot, but can you kind of in a short bit chronicle a little bit of, you know, you were an engineer and by all outside um, monitors, measures, trappings, the works, you were quite successful. Yeah, I, I graduated from Rutgers University first in chemistry. They gave me the big plaque. I, um, I had job offers from Merck. I ended up going to work at Bell Labs, you know, the big, mm-hmm. the big Bell and, and, you know, half a dozen different, different people, they were fighting. They were fighting to have me in the lab. And then I went to graduate school and then I, I, I took a job as, as a project manager and a quality engineer and um, got married, had two children, owned a home and, uh, and I had severe panic disorder. Mm. Yeah. And, and uh, I woke up anxious and everything had to be just so, and, and, and I didn't understand, I was unhappy. And the panic disorder was taking, man, what a gift that is. Now that I look back at it, it was so bad that something had a break, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, um, and I left my job, I lost the job. And, and the panic was, you know, it was all in and out. And I was already looking, you know, it, it was a couple of years, like my spiritual path started a couple of years before I lost my job. You know, I, the panic was really bad. I started investigating. I had a couple of mystical experiences that I don't even believe in. Like, I don't not believe in mystical experiences. They're, they're, they're like the drinking of the water. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fun, but they're mm-hmm. not, they're not the goal. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, that makes yeah. Sense. Um, but it got me to this point where I was no longer an engineer and the thought of getting another job doing that stuff, I, even with two young kids at home, I, I just I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I went, you called it seeking or something. I, was, I went on a journey, you know, ended up using a whole bunch of money, like all of it plus some, you know, the, oh, I have this much in savings. Oh, look at that debt, you know? Over a period of those almost 10 years, there was, you know, life-threatening illness, there was bankruptcy, there was divorce, there was, you know, foreclosure, there was children going from toddlers to teenagers to college students, lots of things went. And and I I kept searching, you know, and, and I did it all, you know, as a Reiki master, I was ordained as a spiritualist minister. I I studied, uh, well, I studied mastering alchemy. I, 
I studied emotion code technique. I had different little offices doing energy work. I talked to dead people for a while. <laughs> I, I ended up, because um, I do have a fairly high IQ, I guess. But um, I ended up uh, with a partner in Prague and then the UK and then Romania. He moved around and we had, you know, we had, we got involved in personal development on the web and we had a mailing list of about 120,000 people and we had a newsletter and, and we made a lot of money for a little while. And then that kind of fell apart because there were a lot of things that were a little off there. You know, we can have mm -hmm. another podcast about what happens yeah, when you find out your business partner thinks that the world is flat and the moon is a conspiracy theory, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> when I tell those stories of not just yours, but in general, this opening yourself up to people, there's some, they, there's some different beliefs that they live through. Yeah. And, and then, um, and, and then I was on my own and I went through this period for about a year. We, we knew each other then where, when I was, didn't know I was dying, you know, here you are in South Carolina going, Cindy, you going to the doctor anytime soon? And I'm like, maybe tomorrow. Um, I found out that I really was able to hide literally Denise in South Carolina. I'm in New York is the only one that's going, something's wrong, but I was bleeding for about a year. And I was also writing to God every day. And, and I'd say, dear God, help me, or dear God, I love you, or dear God, I can't hear you. And everything around me is falling apart and I'm getting weaker and weaker. And um, after about a year, I, I was pretty close to that um, choice point. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have enough energy to get from the bathroom to the couch mm -hmm. without sitting in the middle of the floor and resting. And I was so... Um, invisible. I mean, I lived in a house with an ex-husband, a whole nother story to teenage girls, and that's okay. Mothers are invisible to teenage girls, um, but they didn't know how sick I was. Mm -hmm. And I sat at that on that couch, and I looked out the window, and I felt it. I, you know, and God didn't care, you know, which choice if that was, but I literally heard it. So, Cindy, do you want to live? You know, are you ready for the next step or you want to check out and do it some other time? I don't even, but I, I can remember deciding to live. What is this about five years ago or something? I, I didn't look it up. Picked up the phone, called the one friend. I knew I couldn't like back out. She came and picked me up. I collapsed inside the hospital room. They put me in a wheelchair and um, said, I don't have any money. They said, we don't care. And at that moment, like things started to click in that moment. I said, well, if I'm here, I might as well enjoy myself. And I did. I moved right into gratitude. And, and everything sort of shifted with that decision. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they, you know, they gave me all these bags of blood. It was a 15-minute surgical operation the next day. And I started to heal. Um, an idea was downloaded within a month or something. The bankruptcy went through. I mean, all sorts of things started to move and shift. And I became less interested in the metaphysical, if that makes sense, in the, in the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> more, more interested in the truth. Right. In, 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 in living the, the truth. And today... 
you know, I could talk for hours, I'm sure. But today I have this beautiful little apartment. I have enough money to pay my bills. I am practicing letting my children live their own lives. They're mm -hmm. technically adults. Denise knows a lot about that. Um, I, I, um, I still talk to God every day, but I don't say, hey, God, give me the bells and whistles. I say, dear Lord, I understand that there's really no gap between me and you, except what's in my mind and, and what I have blocking my heart. And I don't want, I don't want anything to separate our communication. So tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to say. Tell me what, how to help. Right. And so lots of crazy stuff is happening, you know, up and down and, and almost every day something happens that I look at and number one, I bless. And number two, I said, I remember when I would have called myself a victim because I'm not a victim. You know, that's the other big part about what you and I were talking. I can tell lots of horror stories, right? I can convince anyone on the street that I'm a victim. Right. Right. I can convince anyone on the street that I've been ill-treated. Right. You know. Um, and I'm the subject of someone. Yeah. Yeah. I heart. Yeah, I really don't tell those stories unless I need, like, unless I'm inspired to. Today. Today. Um, you know, there are stories of suicides and deaths and all sorts of things there. I can tell you why I am wounded. I can tell you why I was broken at a young age. And that's why my life is so horrible. Look at poor me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I lived there. I lived in and out of that. I lived in and out of some really crazy, abusive kind of circumstances. I, like I told you, Denise, you know, I have, you may, maybe you think you've had some horrible things in the workplace. They don't compare to mine. I could tell you stories. <laughs> they ain't an awful time, right? <laughs> oh, you think it's good. You, you, you got one. Let me tell you mine. <laughs> and as you know, I often say, look, I work in HR. I got stories. <laughs> Because I, I, I listen to people. I can, I can, you know, and here's the thing. So uh, a key part of what's gone on in the last couple of years yeah. within my own relationship with myself, with whatever you want to call divinity with my work is I now take full responsibility for how I show up in the world. Okay. So right? now people are, people are told that all the time that you are, you have to have full responsibility for showing up for ownership of it. What does that mean? What's different about what you, where you are today and saying that versus where you were five years ago? I understand that nobody could hurt me without my, and this takes work, right? This is definitely longer than a one hour podcast. Yes. So here's what I've learned. I've learned that being a victim is a choice that there is no wound that my divinity and my connection can't heal. Mm -hmm. And it's my responsibility to show up for it. Mm -hmm. I have learned and where I am right now is nobody hurts me ever without my permission. Mm -hmm. So um, a biggie, you know, there's somebody in my life or was in my life. And somehow when they did not behave in a way that I thought 
like they didn't treat me right. Let's put it that way. I'd get really, really upset, right? Get really upset. And in doing the work I've been doing and in looking and self-examining, I realized that the only reason they could upset me is I've somehow made them my God. Like somehow I thought either, either I wasn't okay unless they somehow told me every day or, oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to eat unless they remind me that I am capable of working. I realized that I only, you know, the way I, I only work for myself and God. Now I have other people that call themselves because I work as a consultant stuff. So people ask me to do things and I'll, and I'll, I'll do them and then they'll pay me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I don't work for them. Mm-hmm. I am regardless of, and I, I hear it a lot, you know, I have to do these things. Otherwise I can't get paid or I have, but the truth of the matter is as soon as I realize that I only work for myself and for God, and that there is a God or a divinity or a space out there that wants my happiness. I look at these people that I used to tell myself could hurt me or attack me or wound me. I say, nah, it's only my reaction to what they're doing that hurts me or attacks me or makes me less than. And so uh, through these processes I work with a lot now, I could go in and find the buttons they they are pressing and work to heal them. Mm-hmm. And they're they're wonderful. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, first I notice that they don't really they, they're saying the same things they said just yesterday. Right. But but I'm not feeling defensive. What did they say so, yesterday? Well, you know, I had I had somebody in public, because I'm, you know, I'm in different Zoom meetings all the time, right? Literally just essentially told me that I was of no value, that mm-hmm. asked me to stop speaking. Mm-hmm. It happened the first time and bam, I shut down. But the thing was I had already learned the practice. So the first time it happened in front of a whole bunch of people, um, the pain in the heart was intense. Yeah. But the practice told me even though I didn't feel it, that if he, if he, he said something, I felt intense pain. Two years ago, I would have told you that he created pain in me. Mm-hmm. Now I knew that that pain was a gift. He was basically throwing salt in a wound. Mm-hmm. He wanted to talk about it right after the meeting. He wanted to continue to tell me why I was wrong and he was right. My practice said, uh, I got to step back for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I step, I step back. It took me a while to look, find the original wound, mm-hmm. sit and heal the wound mm-hmm. till I got to the point where I understood there were a couple of things that happened there. Number one, I understood that no one could hurt me without my permission. I saw right. the gift in it. But the second thing was when I stopped getting defensive and I stopped getting so hurt, what was really interesting was I recognized that not the way he did it, but what he said was correct. In mm-hmm. that moment, I had been stepping on his toes. In mm-hmm. that moment, I had been de- disrespecting him in public. I didn't see it. Yeah. But once I did the internal healing, by the time we spoke again a couple of days later, he opened his mouth to apologize. And I mm-hmm. said, no need. 
thank you for the gift. Mm -hmm. And and our relationship has never been the same. Yeah. You and I have talked about it before, right? I call it the green hair, right? Yeah. So if someone looks at me and they say to me, I really hate your green hair. Yeah. I laugh, right? Yeah. You can't see it. It's a podcast, but I don't have green hair. Right. So they're not talking to me. Right. Right. If they say to me, you know, I really don't like your hazel eyes. I have mm-hmm. hazel eyes. If I'm somehow thinking that it matters to me what they think of my eyes, then I'm right. going to feel all this pain. But I could take it back to these processes until I recognize that their good opinion of me is none of my no business. Yeah. Yep. No concern of yours. And then, and, and really the processes aren't that hard. Most of them are resting and just watching or watching myself talk, looking about what I'm saying, looking at how whatever's going on out there is touching how I really think about myself. That's all it really is. Mm-hmm. And then once I see that and bring it up, and allow it to come up to awareness, consciousness, and ask for the truth. Anything that anything that isn't true, it sort of dissolves. Mm-hmm. And then I am able to go into these relationships and speak my truth in a way that's not defensive. Right. I, I, I find that I'm capable to, to now say to this person, this is what I need. Yeah. This is what I see. This is... And it's not even anymore how I feel because I'm fine because it doesn't, you know, I can hear what they're saying differently without closing up going, oh my God, they don't agree with me. They're attacking me. Right. I don't do that anymore. I can hear them. I learn and I can share. It's so cool. And that is the, you know, I think that is the, now on this side, we can have these conversations and they seem easy, effortless, maybe. Um, not, just, not, not always easy, but effortless because we understand not only the mental process of stepping back, breathing, but also the, the physical um, experience that has to go along with it to be able to breathe, not just to go, but to go, and it's a really a, an excelling out of your body, that attachment. And to be able to look at what happened and see what my role was in setting up this dynamic to teach me something about myself and teach me something, something about my world and to give me a place where I can say, you know, um, I can choose to accept or I can choose not to accept. And key to all that, Denise, I've learned it's so interesting. Somehow we've been taught that pain is bad. Yeah. Right. And so we do everything in our power to keep it away from us. Mm -hmm. What I've learned is sitting still with pain, Mm -hmm. breathing and watching and allowing it to teach us Mm -hmm. is so amazing. Yeah. And it, and, and we can choose as, as having a conversation um, with somebody. People call me all the time, you know, and they're struggling. And uh, I was talking to a friend who was petrified about the second shot, the second mm-hmm. COVID shot, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I was listening. I was like, 
how long do you think the shot's actually going to take? You know, it's like a 10 second procedure or whatever. And, I'm like, and if there's a reaction, you know, if she was talking about how, you know, this reaction or this fever, you know, the side effects, you know, 9,999 times out of 10,000 or whatever, they, they can be uncomfortable, but they don't last very long and they're not that horrible, right? Mm -hmm. However, if we decide to suffer with them over six weeks, you, know, you can choose to do that. It's a <laughs> choice. That. It's a choice. And it's, and it's hell and it's choice. Yeah. So the thing is, if we're just in the moment with right. whatever's going on right now, we can feel the pain that's going on right now. It, it comes and it goes and it leaves the gift on the other side. And it's funny because, you know, I'm one who enjoys destroying the, um, the things we say that make no sense, but nobody has either the wherewithal or the courage to say that makes no sense. And so one of the, the two that right now I'm on a kick about one is, you know, feel the burn and keep doing it, feel the pain and keep going. And I'm like, no, pain is a signal that's supposed to tell you to stop. Think, know where you're at and take control, make a choice that you need to ease up, turn left, turn right, do something different, or it's warning you something else is about to happen. And so often we think of, you know, taking care of so many other people that when we feel the burn, when we feel the pain, we just keep going. I'll get over it. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, I can make it. It's just another 10 minutes. It's just, I just need to do this one more thing. I need to just, uh, and we fill in the blank with a justification, a reason that says that I'm strong because I endured and got through the pain rather than use the pain, use the pause to decide to do something different or to at least examine it so that we make better choices in the next moment and the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. Yeah. You know, I when we go ahead, I was just going to say, I think you just gave the, the very, the key to being able to walk through the eye of the needle. I was just thinking, you know, the rich man can't yes. walk through the eye of the needle. So when the pain comes, there are those who try to avoid it. Well, mm -hmm. you're not saying avoid the pain. Mm -hmm. You're not saying project the pain onto the world out there. Mm -hmm. And there are those who say, Let's feed the pain, you know, yes. let's keep going anyway. <laughs> the sweet spot is the pause. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's communication in this space we call pain. What's going to happen if I step back and rest there for a while and see what it has to tell me? That's and, and really let go of the fear of if I don't keep doing what I'm doing, somebody is going to judge me. I'm gonna lose my job. I'm gonna not be liked by my kids or my husband, my, my spouse, my fill in the blank parents, myself, because that's the harshest critic of all, right? The most painful oh, yeah. critic. We were talking a little bit about habit energies, right? Yep. Um, before the official podcast started. <laughs> we, we were talking, you know, the program you and I were in, 
-hmm. One of my favorite parts, um, the teacher would often say, practice when it doesn't count. So yes. when it does, right? You're ready. Um, you know, I don't do a lot of what we were learning in that program. That was part of the journey. But, but that, you know, practice when it doesn't count so that when it does, it's ready. So this idea of practicing the pause every day, maybe even because it's 30 seconds, 40 seconds, if you, if throughout the day you just stop and breathe and say, how am I doing right now? <laughs> Where yeah. am I right yeah. now? Yeah. You practice being present to what's right. going on. Remember the other thing he said that I love so much? Which was? Was this whole idea of we really are practicing because there may come that moment where the lights go out and yes. you could call COVID and the pandemic and the shutdown. There is this moment, that's what he used to say, when the lights go out and, and your first thoughts when the lights go out are gonna create what happens next. Mm -hmm. So if the lights go out and you sit there and breathe and you go, now I get to have dinner with the angels. Mm -hmm. The lights come back on, you're gonna find yourself in heaven. But all the, when the lights go out, if your first thought was the monsters are coming out of the closet, I have to protect. Ah! Then when the lights come back on, you're going to find yourself in hell. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that. So it's, it, it's key behind like, what is the story? See the world. Yes. Yeah. And it's, what is the story that you are creating in the moment? Because the story you create right now dictates what you will see. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what that story was about, is how you think about this moment, how you pause in this moment, how you allow the past, the words that people are whispering in your ear all the time, whether it's through marketing or CNN or Fox News, it doesn't matter. How you allow that story to become part of your, your reality, your, what you hold on to will dictate when the lights come back on, when you come back to consciousness, which we know scientifically now we can do it, at 0.07 seconds, bang, that's what you will see. That's what you will experience. That's what you will feel. And understanding that. Yeah. I, I was thinking about some of the things we talked about, about, you know, what's going on, because today, even when, you know, uh, the wave mm -hmm. is, could be happy or the wave could be, oh, there's a problem to mm -hmm. solve, which doesn't really, it doesn't feel like it used to. There's this undercurrent of peace um, that I don't see in a lot of people, uh, but I live and I sleep very well at night. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of times I just look and, oh, that just happened. How interesting. I wonder what the gift is. You know, the thing is, you know, that I, even you saw me halfway into this journey. So you don't even know what I was like when I used to have severe panic disorder. When I started this journey, I came from literally thinking I was gonna die every day mm -hmm. and, and knowing that the world was out to get me and, and living the belief that I was a victim. Mm -hmm. The key was the practice, right? Mm -hmm. And, and made a lot of mistakes, but showing up every day convinced that there was something better. Showing up every day, being willing to try things new, convinced that there is a world where I get 
more and more experiences of happy, convinced that there is a world that had a meaning and a purpose where I could feel at home in my own skin, regardless of what other people thought about me. So, you know, um, we didn't even get to talk about listening, which is so interesting. <laughs> but I was it's just getting ready to, well, there's two things I wanted to ask you about before we close. One of them is, you know, we've talked about all of that, what we've talked about up until now got us to this moment where the pause really is about listening. The pause is about that. The other is, is how nice it was to find someone who could help you walk through those mistakes, which when you're practicing to get good, you're going to have what we call mistakes. And then how do we move that from, oh, that's what happened. This is the pause, the moment where I'm listening to find out where I should have turned left or I should have stood still. I should have done this. Next time I will do that and then implementing that along the way. So before we go, I do want to talk about the listening and the diets that you're in now. Because the, the, the reason this is important is many, 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 many years ago, 25 that I only admit to, I worked for a company that set up something similar, not like what you're doing, but literally it was when there was a breakdown, a conflict, something that happened and started around women and men in the workplace and people make all kinds of comments that are hurtful, but it caused us to have to sit face to face to each other, look at each other's eyes. There was another couple who mirrored you in the physicality. So if it was a black woman and a white man, then it'd be another black woman or person of color and a white man or male and female. And the job was is to hear each other. Speak what you feel, speak what you think is the truth, your truth. The other person was to actually listen, respond. And what wasn't said, those things that we can't see because our brain is hooked on the pain, hooked on being right, the two people on the sides were mirroring that listening. And you've started or you were in the middle, midst of what you call diets, which is teaching people to do that. Talk a little bit about that process and what have you learned from that process? I could talk about the diets for hours. So I'm going to just, I'm not going to talk about how I found them. I'm just going to talk about a little bit about what it is and what I've discovered. Um, and it was, you know, somebody introduced me to how to do a dyad, which on its outside is a 40 minute process where two people sit face to face. And I've learned all of this since the world of COVID. So except for one or two times with the friend, it's always been in mm -hmm. Zoom meeting, and uh, there is a listener and a speaker, and the person who's listening will ask the other person a question, you know, what is alive in you right now, or uh, from your heart, or embraced by the unknowing, you know, what arises, there's a whole bunch of questions that we work with. Uh, we ask that question actually lean forward and understand that we are now going to receive a gift and we listen for five minutes. The listener is asked to develop listening skills without judgment, just take it in. The other person can do whatever they want for five minutes. They take the question, they're asked to take the question, bring it inside 
and then report out verbally what is happening to them in the moment. And man, that is also a muscle <laughs> because a lot of people will either close their eyes the whole time, be inside, or they'll look, you know, when your eyes go up, you're not here now. When your eyes are going up, either the left or the right, you're either making things up or you're accessing a memory. You're being asked to learn how to take the question into the heart of where you are, find out where you are, mm -hmm. and then communicate that out. So I learned from a friend um, at awakeningtogether.org where I'm studying for minis my ministerial practice, a whole nother conversation. This <laughs> and, and, you know, she's not somebody that I have a lot of access to. So I did my Google search, man, do I love Google, big <laughs> Google fan. And through a Google search, I found an international organization called the Global Dyad Meditation Program Project. You could Google it, you can email me, but it's the Global, Global Dyad Meditation Project. And Simone started it, and she lives right on the Swiss-German border. Mm -hmm. and, and there is an opportunity, you could literally, after training, little training, <laughs> Uh, you could step into a diet at least three times a day. There's actually, at this point, there's even an instant diet group. Oh, I need a diet. And people will come together and um, either for 40 minutes and some of us crazy people will do six back and forth for an hour. <laughs> um, and then we could do writing afterwards and sharing. But literally, here's what I've discovered. So I'm keeping track. I've now been in 21 different countries doing diets. Wow. So I've been in New Zealand. I've been in Canada, the United States. I've been, I've, I've been in the, in the kitchen in Tokyo. I've been to Vietnam. I've been to Belgium, to Germany, Those are to the Netherlands. Things. Yeah, I was recently in wow. Scotland. Here's what I discovered: the form doesn't matter form doesn't matter. What does that mean? Whether you are a gay man somewhere in the middle of nowhere, or you're a 22-year-old white woman sitting in, uh, I don't know. Germany. Germany. Or you're, you know, a 30-year-old guy in Mexico. It, it literally doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter what your relationships are. I've heard them all, right? In the diet, the pain is the same. Mm -hmm. So when I sit in this practice of listening, not for the story, because we're, we're being trained and it takes practice. It really is a muscle. Your job is to receive the message being delivered without censor. Mm -hmm. And you, and you're also, when it's your turn to share, you never reference what you just heard. What you heard may have activated a memory sure. or something in you, and you could talk from what's going on in you, but you're never giving advice. You're never saying, poor you. You're never saying, what a great story. Here's mine. None of that's happening. You're literally receiving. And what I've learned by, um, sitting 
and being and breathing and looking through the, basically you learn to look through the form mm -hmm. look through the story mm -hmm. what i've discovered was pain is pain mm -hmm. it doesn't matter the shape of the being that it's encompassing or where they are or what part of the world they are in or what their story is whether they have a million dollars in the bank or they literally don't know how they're going to eat tomorrow, all pain comes from feeling separate, mm -hmm. feeling isolated, feeling alone, feeling like there's feeling lonely, some version of nobody. I'm alone in here, right? It, that's what it is. I'm alone. Nobody in understands here. me. No one, um, no one can feel what I'm feeling. No one can, I'm not good enough and you know it, something, and I'm yeah. trying to hide it. But it, yeah. those are all the, what we, you know, if you list the, the list of what keeps us alone, it is these feelings that I am different than others. I can't relate to what others are. I'm not the same as everybody else. Therefore, I am unique and being unique is not a good state. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Because it's not every market, yeah, every marketing piece <laughs> says, bring your uniqueness to work. But, you know, we, we want you to be unique. Everyone, you know, we value your uniqueness. And yet the thought of really standing in our uniqueness is so frightening for so many of us. Yeah. It's some version of you can't see who I'm, I really am. If you right. If you knew who I really was, you couldn't stand me. Right. It's some version of that. And, and, and it exists all over the world in all shapes, all stories, all forms. It is that holds us together. Yeah. And on the other hand, when things light up and they light up a lot in these dyads, it's, it's when the connection's made. Mm -hmm. It's when the, oh, I was vulnerable and look at that. And, and it's in the eye gazing and, and being heard and being understood. And then, and then things, there's tears during Diane's, but there's also a lot of laughter. Yeah. You know, people just go, look at that, I'm held. Look at that, I'm not right. alone. And, and, it's, and it's, it's interesting, because as I look back on those moments, you know, when we had our version of your dyad, A, some of the, some of the best lessons I got we're in that moment of being able to hear somebody else's point of view that wasn't my point of view and not be attached to it. To allow them to have that point of view and me not say that defines me. I've lost my need to tell somebody else they're wrong. Or that there's another point of view sometimes. Yeah. I, you know, even in my coaching, I say, and what other story could be true? Because that story is very true. But what else could be true? What else could be true for this other person? What fear could they be coming from? What concern are they trying to navigate and mitigate? What have they been taught is right? What's the story that's going on in their head? And can that story be just as true as yours? And does it matter to you if that story is true? if it's not true for you. And, and here's the thing, Denise, it's so interesting because 
the more involved and I, I get in learning how to listen and learning how to not be offended by people being different. Um, number one, it's so much easier to just be with people yeah. and allowing them to be who they are. It's also becoming easier to let people go, mm-hmm. right? Because <laughs> some, you know, there are, you can let them go with love. Like yeah. th- th- it's just not certain, like we could, we can share planet earth with people walking different paths without yeah. needing to change them, yeah. you know, without yeah. needing them to be any different than they are. And without feeling like they're somehow intruding on, you know, without thinking we have to change in order to be okay. Right. Am I make is that? No, because you know, mine is um, people just disappear out of my life. And you've seen over the 10 years, they just poof. You've seen it happen to me too. Yes. Where they just, they find another path to be in. and because when I can't give, when they can't get what they want, which is a story of ain't it awful with me, they will find someone who will give them what they want. Yeah, I, I, I spent enough hours in the rooms at Al-Anon to understand that um, it's not my business to feed anybody's ain't it awful story. And yeah. if people want to fail and they want to fall down, I'm going to give them the freedom to do it. Mm-hmm. I used to want to fix the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just be here, feeling the peace, extending it, and uh, saying hello to everyone who finds me. And then that is when you can hold that space, then it is easier to hold the collective space of being with people who have similar or common goals and achieve things that close your gap. And with that, as always, it has gone far too quickly. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of of your journey. And I want to say openly and publicly, thank you for letting me walk with you for 10 years on this journey. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.